today I would like to uh, welcome my special guest. She's a good friend of mine. Her name is Taylor Conley. Um, I've known Taylor the past couple years now. We've had the pleasure of working together. Um, when I first met Taylor, uh, we hit it off pretty quick. Um, we saw each other in the gym and uh, we could quickly tell, you know, it's not often that I see somebody that's, that I would consider as, as all in as I am. And so I could immediately tell she was, and uh, you know, we got to know each other a little bit, and we, she ended up and we started to work together and everything like that. The more I discovered about Taylor, I realized what an inspirational person she was. The crazy journey she's had, she's had one of the most drastic transformations I've personally ever seen as far as an eating disorder goes, and to see what she's become now um, as a competitive bodybuilder, it's just been a huge inspiration for me. She's somebody, honestly, I'm very honored to know and uh, to get to call my friend. So I'd like to introduce Taylor. <laughs> and uh, you want to go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm Taylor. Um, I do compete in bodybuilding now. I'm a figure computer. Um, so in about when I was 19 is when I first got diagnosed with an eating disorder. Um, anorexic and then I was also um, overworker outer so like 19 to about 23 is is that an official term an overworker, overworker outer, outer. I to like me it. it is I like it, I like it. <laughs> who, who uses official terms right um and so that was probably one of the harder periods of my life and then I had a daughter when I turned 24 and then between postpartum and then my eating disorder flare-up it came right back um I grew up at Lake of the Ozarks, um, good old childhood. My mom is kind of like that. my first figure that I witnessed as that your body image is like a self-worth. My mom was always on the scale, constantly checking her weight. And being in the Midwest, you do a lot of like hearty meals. So it's right. always like eating good, gravy, mashed potatoes, all the things. Um, comfort food. Comfort food to the T. Right. <laughs> and so always seeing her physically get upset whenever the scale would go up or would not show what the number she wanted. It was my first indicator of body image and self-love. Mm -hmm. And so as a kid, I never really realized it until I got older. And then growing up, uh, my father is an addict. And so my teen years was mostly finding my father like passed out, drugged up, all the in-between. So middle school to high school, it was like I was constantly chasing this paternal figure that I never had. And then college happened, toxic boyfriend happened, eating disorder happened. And then I um, got pregnant with my daughter, who was like my miracle child. So I was told I could never have kids due to my eating disorder terrorizing my body. And so when I found out I was pregnant, I was three and a half months pregnant. I was in my second trimester with my daughter, and um, she was the size of a, of a large potato. <laughs> So seeing that on a screen was probably the most surreal, terrifying moments of my life. Because then and there, I knew I was about to cater to a, a whole human. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so we were still in Missouri, and then we moved to Texas. And since being in Texas, my whole world has just changed. Now, when you say she was the size of a potato, she was obviously her progression was not where it should have been at that time or that's just the oh, size no. yes that's so she had limbs so she wasn't just like oh you're pregnant y you're 
child has limbs. Like, it was like a whole thing. Like, it wasn't just like an embryo anymore. Like, she was actually like of size. And so, obviously, I was like drinking a lot in the early parts of my pregnancy, unfortunately. I had no idea I was pregnant. So, we had to do all those tests and all the things as most invasive as we possibly could. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was like healthy, normal, healthy, no issues. She came right at 40 weeks. Like, all was good. Right. So, she was like my miracle. Right. It's, I would never, you know, I've seen your daughter many times. I see her running around smiling, acting crazy and all that. So I would <laughs> never, uh, I would never suspect that. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome to see like what she's grown into and, yeah. and all that. That's beautiful. Yeah. So in your, in your journey, um, I mean, I know you've been through so much and you, and you just touched on some of it, but you know, with the, the eating disorder and the, you know, the bad relationships and, and all that, um, moving around, what would you say is like your, you know, what was your rock bottom moment? What was your moment where you kind of knew in your life where it's like, all right, I can no longer live like this anymore. Like I need to make some changes. Like what, what was that moment? And then what was your like first step? Golly. So I can say there's two of them. There was two pit rock bottoms. So my first one was when I was about 22. Um, I was hospitalized for my eating disorder. I was weighing about 89 pounds and I'd eat, (laughs) I'll never forget, an oats and honey bar every three days. And so laying in that hospital room, they're like, listen, like we gotta do something. So if we don't do it now, like it's your life is on the line. My kidneys were starting to shut down. Half of my liver was starting to shut down. So things were getting real, real quick um, before I could even like understand what was happening. And so coming out of that hospital stay, it was like a reality check. Like I have to do something or there is nothing. My life is on the line. So I tried to um, go to treatment. And for me, treatment didn't work. Um, I went to treatment and I learned really quickly how to maneuver and how to feed the eating disorder. You put rocks in your hair. You do all these different techniques to try to make the scale for your text look bigger than it reality was. So so in treatment for eating disorder, they're weighing you. Yes, but we don't get to see the weight. So we have to do weigh-ins with a gown on and completely naked. And you would put rocks in your hair? Yeah. So if you put your hair in a bun sometimes (laughs) and you go outside and they wouldn't really, where I went, they didn't really pay attention to us much. Right. So you could like shove, if your bun was tight enough, you could put rocks in your hair. Really? Yeah. That's that's like some inmate shit right there. (laughs) That's like some gel stuff. I didn't realize that you could do that and maneuver the system until I went to treatment. And then my mom came and saw me one time. She's like, why do you look worse? And I was like, I'm great. And she's like, no, you're not. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that was probably the biggest one um, because, and then after that, I submit, I had to do like an intense outpatient because that's what did it for me. Um, I had to talk about feelings. I had to talk about all the different things in life. Um, and then my second rock bottom um, was about, my daughter was six and a half months old. I'll never forget this moment. So... When I had my daughter, I went through a dark place between postpartum and then my eating disorder flaring back up. Um, And so growing up, I always looked at my mom. She was always chasing this thing. She was always never happy enough with herself. She didn't love herself. She still doesn't. And so one day I was staring at myself in the mirror and like I was everything you could say negative about yourself. I was saying like, you need to lose weight. Who are you? Like your thighs are touching again. Like who your saggy body, like you just had a kid. You need to go back to the gym immediately. 
everything negative. I don't think I had one positive thing to say about myself. Mm -hmm. And my daughter like had grabbed my leg and she stood up and like looked at me. And like that moment then I was like, I am doing the exact same thing my mom did to me right now. And so that moment, I was like, I have to do this for her. I have to be somebody that loves themselves again. I have to be somebody that wakes up in the morning and even though like we're ha- like bad days happen cool okay but like that doesn't mean you have a bad life that doesn't mean you have a bad time mm-hmm. and so making sure that that moment on like i took every single step i had to show my daughter like it's okay to love yourself like you probably you may not love every single part of yourself all the time but that's okay like you're beautiful you're strong in every single aspect of your life right how so for maybe for you know i'm definitely not educated as far as it come or as far as it goes with eating disorders you know i know from the things you've told me and stuff like that and i'm I'm sure people watching they they don't know either so like in an eating disorder you know i you know i'm walking down somewhere and i see somebody that you know who knows what they have going wrong with them i automatically assume they must have an eating disorder because they're tremendously skinny like that's what i see inside the mind of somebody that has a, an eating disorder, like what, what do you think that is? Because obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure now how you look at it, if it's a different view than it was back then, but you know, I see somebody that's tremendously skinny or something like that. You in that mind frame, what are you seeing in the mirror? When I was like skinny? When, when you were in active eating disorder? Oh, I saw probably the biggest person in this world. Really? I saw all my flaws. I saw, so it's like. I see all my flaws now, is that? (laughs) We need to talk. (laughs) Um, I didn't see, I never saw skinny me until I got out of my disorder. Mm -hmm. I never understood honestly how small I was until looking at previous photos now. When I looked in the mirror, I saw this like elephant. Like I had so much weight to lose. I needed to fix everything like I was never, that body dysmorphia is, was so real. It right. was just night and day who I was and who I saw in the mirror. Right. I'm sure, uh, you know, I know what it's like for, for alcohol and drug addiction and stuff like that. But you have a bunch of people who are not addicts, or not alcoholics that are sitting there, you know, regular people sitting there trying to tell me what I need to do. Like, oh, just stop. Yeah. You know, just so I imagine you got quite a bit of like, you need to eat more or oh, something yeah. like that. What was your reaction when you would get that stuff? Ha. So is it just kind of like a fuck you in the back of your head or? Yeah. So a lot of the times no one really. So essentially like when you're in active eating disorder and restricting your brain is like on fire. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like I always like to envision like there's an episode of SpongeBob where like they're in his head and like papers are flying everywhere and everything's mm-hmm. on fire. That's mm-hmm. literally how I, I like explain eating disorder. Um, anytime somebody, so the holidays would be super hard for me, any, any holiday, any food. Um, cause my mom didn't understand. Right. She was like my biggest uh, one. Um, <laughs> she's like, Taylor, just eat, just eat the food. And I'm like, I physically can't right. just eat the food. Right. Like it, it doesn't happen that way. And she's like, yes, you can. You put it in your mouth and you just chew it. And I'm like, I wish it was that easy. Right. Um, when you're, I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. when, when you're in that, do you have an appetite? Are you hungry and you're just telling yourself you can't eat it or you're not even hungry? It depends today. Okay. So for the longest, you just don't have an appetite. 
because it's like your body like is on fire. And so it's like you get this high almost from being hungry. Okay. And your body is just constantly like, yeah, this is great. Like, Because you think you're burning the fat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's why in about every three days, like I was saying, that oats and honey bar, I ate it because I would get kind of like lightheaded. Mm-hmm. But I knew there was like 22 grams of carbs, like four grams of fat and some protein. I was like, oh, I'm set for the next three days. Like, this is good. Right. And so it's like I gave myself just enough to like check a box yeah. and then I'm good. Right. The, and I only know this from, from the running, um, from all the running that I was doing, but I didn't understand nutrition or anything yet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was trying to do intermittent fasting and I'm running and I'm doing all this stuff and I had no idea. And I would have to imagine people when their eating disorder don't understand the science behind it or whatever, but that oh, your no. body goes into fat storage mode and is eating away at your muscle. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so why is that not out? Like, why is that not mainstream? Why does everybody not know that? Especially like within the eating disorder community. Like you, I've watched you work with clients that, that are currently suffering from eating disorders and, and your biggest thing is you have to eat. You're telling them they have to eat more to support what they're doing in the gym yeah. or you know, getting them to understand that. But why does everybody not know this? It's because you don't want to hear it. You just okay. don't want to hear you it. You tune it out. Yeah. No matter what you say, like... My dietitian, she was super smart. I loved her to death, but she wasn't relatable for me. Mm-hmm. So she would just like force this down my throat and, and I hear you, but I don't care. Right. Like there's, I just, there comes a point like no matter what you say, cause I know if I starve enough, it might store a little bit, but if it, I'll get to my goal at the end. And right. that means everything will just come off. Right. Even if that obviously meant destroying my kidneys right. in the process. So, you, you come out of it and, you know, you had that rock bottom moment where you decided you needed to change and you started taking the necessary steps. And, you know, through your, through your whole journey, or do you have a moment where you would say is like your defining moment of redemption? Where like in your head it connected, it's like, I'm back. I've made it. I'm, I'm who I need to be now. I'm who I'm supposed to have been this whole time. Um... I would say like there's like in two of them because okay. I've had two rock bottoms. Um, so right before my senior year of college is when it happened again. I had just gotten like a certificate from this like intensive program I did. And for once, so what I thought back then, I was like, wow, I, I feel I had meat on my bones again. Like everyone was telling me how good I looked. And like that moment then I felt like I had a control again over my life because for the longest I didn't have control with my dad and I didn't have control with my mom and I didn't have control with anything. My ex was like super toxic and abusive to me. And so for once, like I had control of my eating disorder and my eating disorder didn't have control on me. And so like that moment then was like a huge, like I did it. And then like the second time I'd say <laughs> was when I was honestly on the stage for my bodybuilding show. Um, when I was on that stage, it's like everything that I had been through felt I, I did it. Like I, I did it. Like I did this process right. Like I, I ate and I like I weigh the most and I'm muscular. And like in my mind, when I was in my eating disorder, that's all I wanted was to just be muscular and love myself and like in that moment, I f- like younger me finally felt safe. Right. Younger me finally felt like I could let her be and like stop letting her like know, hey, I might come back to you. Everything's going to be okay. But I could finally put younger me to like sleep. 
And I finally had control again. Like I knew I had control again over my relationship with my dad. I had control over the relationship with my mother. I can control relationship with food again. Like I looked at food in such a positive, uplifting way because I know for once it's like what you were saying, like it does what it does for my muscles, not for like storing and Mm. all the things. So for once, like being on that stage, I did something for me, for me. Right. In all aspects. Right. You're giving me goosebumps because <laughs> I was I was lucky enough to be there for your show. And I remember we, you know, we traveled down to Belton and just knowing your entire journey and story and watching you work out every day and watch you do your cardio, watching you mm-hmm. come out to eat and you bust out your own little food and you're not eating what everybody else is eating. I know what you put into that. And I, it was very, it was emotional for me. Um, you know, I remember tearing up and running over to you when you had come <laughs> off stage, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm so thankful that I was there to witness that moment and for you to now say that, you know, that's what I, that's what I had to imagine was going to be your, your redemption yeah. moment. And so <laughs> it's just, I was, I feel blessed to have been, been, a, been a part of it. Yeah. And like to that, thanks for like believing in me. Cause like, I was like, I've never had, I've kind of told you before, I've never had a good relationship with men and like ever since I was like a teen. And so like meeting you was the first time like I felt safe almost with a man, someone that like I knew could kind of check me, but was checking me in like a healthy way. And someone that I could like go to and talk to in a supportive manner and know that it's like from like a brotherly aspect versus like a control aspect. Right. So like just being a part and being that person that you've always been for me, like it's been tremendous for me. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Oh, you're gonna make me cry. Um, You know, just from, like I said at the beginning, when I met you, like you're an all-in type person. I'm an all-in type person. Doesn't matter if it's shooting heroin, doesn't matter if it's running, lifting weights in the gym. Like when I find something, I latch onto it, I'm all in on it. Mm -hmm. And I I saw you do that. And I don't see that in many people, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not any fault of their own. It's just a a natural character trait. Mm -hmm. And so someone like that, because I know what it means to me, so I know what it meant to you. So I'm just, I'm honored to be any part of your journey together. <laughs> what would you say for, you know, for your entire journey, um, I'm sure there's been a lot of learning lessons, but you know, right now sitting here today, what would you say so far in life has been your most valuable lesson that you've learned? Oh golly. Most valuable. Um, to be honest, to learn to love myself. Um, that's once I, Cause for so long I chased men, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I chased men to try to fill this void that I was constantly ever loving chasing. Cause I never felt like I'd love myself until like a man loved me. Mm-hmm. And so when I went finally back to therapy and like did a lot of steps I needed to, to realize like it's you and you at the end of the day, yep. you have nobody else. And so if you don't love who you are, no one's gonna really love you like that because you have to learn to love yourself. Um, I had to learn to romanticize to my own life. Like stop expecting someone to like, you wanna go on, you wanna go do a date? You wanna go get coffee? I had to do that. Like if I wanted that, like, okay, I'm gonna take myself on a date. I'm gonna take myself and get coffee. Like treating myself with so much more love and respect and like built so much Mm self-confidence. And then building that self-confidence, I realized like I don't need a man to do life with. Like, I'm a single parent, and, like, I think it's so powerful, to be honest, that, like, I don't feel like I need to rely on a man anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I can do what I need to do at the end of the day and the beginning of each day Right. for once. Yeah. 
no, I, I learned the exact same lesson. You know, I, I take a look at my my prior relationships and and see where they went bad. And, and honestly, it's you know, I think it comes from a for me, it was a place of insecurity and like feeling like you need somebody or just wanting to be in that yeah. relationship so bad. And it makes you make decisions and say things out of out of insecurity. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the the gym, you know, I attribute so much of my life to the gym. I know you do too. Yeah. But that right there is what gave me my my confidence to. You know, I tell people a lot of times when I speak, running got me back to being who I needed to be from addiction, but I still didn't have that confidence. I didn't have a confidence to stand in front of a couple hundred people and speak or, you know, do any of the stuff that I do nowadays. And getting back in the gym and and understanding and seeing, like, people might not like it, but you're looked at different when you walk into a room. You know what I mean? Like, you grab people's attention, whatever it is, They because I think... I think if people see that in you and they see like, oh, this person spends a lot of time in the gym or whatever, they see the dedication it takes, they know the discipline that it takes, and I think they interact with you in a, in a much different way. So yeah, I've learned that exact same lesson. So that's great. Yeah, and I've also learned too, like with that, when you carry yourself different, like when you start loving yourself, you carry yourself like with higher shoulders, like yeah. more conf- like you're just more confident. Yeah. And so you glow a different way versus right. like insecure, insecure you, like you're just like, this little like gray person I like to always say right. so you're like wanting to be in the shadows and so it's like you're not as prov- I don't know like light right yeah you know I, I can't speak for for anybody else I can only speak for myself but I think about myself before I'd ever gotten into fitness or or taking care of myself and stuff like that and like just thinking about my mindset of my alarm going off and I hit the alarm four or five times I can't get up out of bed I'm groggy throughout the day Think about that person walking into a room and then think about somebody who I'm up before my alarm, I'm, I'm at the gym, I do that. It's just a whole different mindset to walk up. Like, I know I've already started accomplishing stuff in the day as soon as I wake up. Mm-hmm. You know, me personally, like, I hit the snooze button, I'm already taking a loss. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For the day, so. But you also wake up at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 my, it's my thing. People ask me what, what time I what time I wake. They're like, "Oh, you get up early. What time?" And I don't want to tell them because they're gonna, number one, they're going to think I'm lying or something. But uh, I don't know. It's just my that's my time. Um, I get up. I have an hour or two to make my food for the day. Get my clothes ready. I'm at the gym before it opens. Like I'm there. Bless your heart. It's just my thing. <laughs> I, sp- I spent so much time on the other end of the spectrum, staying up until that time. Now it's like I get up at that time and. I, I said, told somebody recently, I said, uh, they were sitting there and they were talking shit back and forth. And I was like, hey, man, I was like, I accomplished more uh, more in my day or more. I accomplished more before you get up out of bed than most people do in their whole day. And he's like, yeah, but I accomplished all the same stuff after you go to bed. And I was like, all right, <laughs> valid point, valid point. So, you know, let's say there's somebody watching this, somebody listening out there and they're they're currently struggling through through some of the same things that you've struggled with. Let's say it's eating disorder or insecurity or, you know, being a single mom or something like that. What advice would you give that person if they were listening? Oh, golly. Uh, find your tribe. Find people that truly want the best for you. Um, and you have to let go of the things that no longer serve you. Mm. Um, Cause once you free those things that weigh you down, it makes you feel like a new person. As much as it's it's hard and it's super hard because you that's what you know, that's what you're used to, that's what you're comfortable with. But you have to like 
lean now towards a new village, a new life that you want to create. Mm-hmm. Um, find people, find professionals too. Like if you're in, in the eating disorder and you feel lost, find a professional, um, somebody that can you feel comfortable with too. Even if it's like your best friend, I need help. Like ask somebody for help. Right. So many, I think so many people, you know, there's a stigma. There's a stigma around eating disorders. There's a stigma, stigma around addiction, mental health, so many things. And I think there's a stigma is because like people, you know, us as addicts, we're super used to talking about our stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of us are super open about it. You know, I have no qualms saying I was a heroin addict or anything like that. But families or people that aren't necessarily in the recovery community or whatever it is, they don't talk about it. And mm-hmm. so there's this, there's this stigma with it. And so getting people to actually speak up because oftentimes you say something that somebody else needs to hear. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you're open about your stuff, you have no idea how many times I've said just, it might not even have been my main point. It might've been like an off, off comment or yeah. whatever. And then somebody from the crowd will come up and, and start talking to me and they're like, oh, I really needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, I almost forgot I said that. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So like getting up and uh, opening up. And I think the more people you know, they get on platforms or podcasts and stuff like that. And, you know, as this world, social media, stuff like that, the more vulnerable you get, the more you talk about it. I Mm -hmm. think that's the only way to ever break that stigma and actually get it to where people start seeing some progress with this type of things. Yeah. I mean, most definitely. Um, So what are you, what are you working on now? What do you got going on? In life? Didn't you just start start your own company? I did. Um, yeah, so I just started my own business about two weeks ago. It's like an online fitness nutrition, but like it actually gets to emphasize with like eating disorder help. Um, that's something like, again, in my journey, I always, I always needed someone relatable to me. I always needed somebody to understand my feelings and not just what the book said. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that this company that I got built was relatable to other people suffering. Um, so it's like basically it's called Live Fierce. Um, and like the name of it actually came from my eating disorder. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so in my disorder, um, something I always wanted to do was to be this fierce version. I always used to look up to Wonder Woman. I just thought she was this badass superhero. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how is she just so fierce? Like, how how is she so happy and confident? And what is she doing? Like, I want to be fierce. But like, I never felt like I could be fierce. Like I never felt like I could be this, like this She-Hulk. And I was like, I just want that. And so I constantly chase that. And especially after having my daughter, I was like, I want to be this fierce version of myself that is undeniably loving and undeniably like that self-confidence is just through the roof. And so live fierce, I want to like help people live that fierce life, live that life that they want to be, but they just don't know how to start. Because right. um, I feel like every person deserves that feeling, that feeling of like, I have control of my life again, especially the single parents too, the single moms or the stay at home moms that are very stuck in like their house and they don't, they lose themselves. Like being coming a parent, you lose yourself in some manner. And so like trying to recreate yourself as you again right. and living a fierce life for you. Right. I love that. Yeah. What, um, so is it going to be in-person, virtual sessions? So what are you doing? it's basically kind of like all online. Okay. Um, 
Ideally, I would like to move it to in-person eventually. So nutrition sessions can be in-person if it's like needed. Mm -hmm. um, but most of it is like I have my own app and my whole like a whole program. Um, and each program is geared towards you. So like I do no cookie cutter meal plans. We do like a sit down consultation and I meet you where you are at and what your goal is and the ways that I can help meet that goal. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, what? Uh, hopefully at some point in this, I would love if we if you're good with it. I would love to have a thumbnail or maybe at some portion in this podcast on the video, it pops up with your before and after pictures. Yeah. Um, it is one of the most, uh, to me, it was one of the most drastic. I can't believe the human that you were and then who you are now today. Yeah. You brought up Wonder Woman and that, that reminds me of a good question. Who would you say, who are your inspirations? It could be somebody you know personally, somebody you see on social media or in a movie or like that, but who do you draw inspiration from? Professional bodybuilder, you name it. An inspiration. Um, so to be honest, my ins a big inspiration, my sister is watching, is my sister. Um, my sister <laughs> has gone through hell and back with me. Um, in my disorder, I think I pushed her away the most because she cared the most. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'm like, you care too much. Like, I can't. <laughs> um, but my sister has always been like this loving person like to everyone that she comes across like she we like obviously butt heads but she loves people through and through no matter like what happens in their life um and she's always been an inspiration to me like she does everything like she is the rock of our family for sure and like i don't know how she does it because bless her heart because our family is rough <laughs> um but yeah i just i i owe her everything to this world <laughs> I'm glad you picked her. I have the pleasure of knowing your sister yeah. too, and it's it's funny people people watching wouldn't know this, but she's actually the she's actually the bulldog of the family or the yes, pit, the pit bull the of, the pit family. Bull of the family. Um, and uh, your sister has a much softer softer approach and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, she's a gentle soul. Right, you guys are kind of like yin and yang. Yeah, <laughs> so I can see where you can clash, but uh, I've watched her be there for every step of the every step of the way, and it's a pleasure knowing her too. Yeah, I'm think I'm so thankful for her. Right, good. <laughs> Um, so I want to play a little game with you. Uh -oh. So I'm going to read off some. I'm going to read off some terms, and I just want you to give me first word that comes to mind. Terms. Right? Yep, terms. Okay. Just words. Okay. All right. First word that comes to your mind. Cardio. No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect. All right. Number two, ice cream. I'm lactose intolerant. Oh. Number three. Family. Everything. Everything. Number four, bodybuilding. Fuck yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Number five, vegetables. Broccoli. Number six, CrossFit. No. <laughs> <laughs> also no. <laughs> right. Number seven, politics. Rather not. All right. <laughs> Number eight, kettlebells. Rather not. <laughs> Number nine, music. R&B. R&B? 90s. 90s? Who's your favorite? Oh, God. What's your, uh, go ahead. Let me think about that. Right. I don't have a favorite. I like them all. All right, let me, let me ask you, if you, were, if, you were, uh, if you were in the UFC and you're walking out for the title fight, what's your fight song? I never thought about that. I no? don't know. What are you listening to in the gym? Sometimes nothing. Okay. 
Depends if I'm on my sad girl shit and sad music. Right. <laughs> Are you listening to sad girl shit in the in the gym? Oh, sometimes, yeah. Really? Sometimes you need you need some sad girl shit. Okay. Um. Let me get back to that one too. All right. <laughs> Last but not least, number ten, woman. Badass. I like it. <laughs> Taylor, that was absolutely amazing. Thank you for coming on here. Thank you for being vulnerable. I don't think you realize um, how many people you help just by being able to share your story and your experience. Um, as I said before, it's a, I'm so proud to call you a friend. I'm so proud to have been part of your journey. I absolutely love you and I will always be there for you. Thank you for everything. What, um, what's your, what's your, you got a Instagram handle you want to throw out, a website, anything like that? Websites in the making. Okay. I'm learning to be a graphic designer. Oh. Um, my Instagram is at fitmama.tay. All right, perfect. <laughs> give her, give her a follow. Check out her, uh, check out her progress, and uh, show her some support. So uh, the podcast is called "I Am Redemption," right? And obviously, you know, redemption is a word in the t in the title of the documentary. Um, but that word, like when I hear it, it catches me. Um, you know, it's a to me, it's a very powerful word. And so, you know, so many words I think describe us as people. And you know, at the end of the day, I do, I am redemption. I know what I've been through. I know I've come out on the other side. I know I use it to help people. So if you would, why don't you go ahead and look, look at the people at home, take a look <laughs> into the camera and tell them who you are. Okay. Um, I am mom. I am anorexia nervosa. I am bodybuilder. I am fierce. Thank Ta you. Taylor, thank you. Taylor, thank you.